0: Unloose the Goose, we'll take no use. Your paradigms
1: run out of time and we've got no use.
2: Unloose the Goose. Greetings, this is Unloose the Goose, episode 59. We're talking about all things homesteading we're actually talking with one of our geese here one of you all in the community um, mr. Rob Kaiser he is uh, from all around Podcast.com. is that right all around growth bro all around yep it's, and he's it's going actually to be sharing with us yep. his experiences in homesteading we're gonna to be basically talking go ahead
1: you go ahead I'll follow up
2: no I want I want to get the website right. Yeah. Oh, Allaroundgrowth.buzzsprout.com.
1: Allaroundgrowth.buzzsprout.com. Dot dot buzzsprout dot dot
2: com. Very cool. Allaroundgrowth.buzzsprout.com. Awesome. We have a little bit of a lag so we'll we'll work on that. Um but thanks for being here Rob. I'm looking forward to getting into the sauce. Uh right? Right Nicole? Um but let's start about off with the sauce you know, our it's all about the sauce. Uh, what's our, our usual format is that we end up talking about a little bit of current events and then we dive into our main topic again, which is homesteading. So, um, basically, you know, we've got a couple things that have gone on. Uh, nobody knows what the potato in chief is really saying. And if there is an executive order or not, nobody's been able to find it. So this VAX mandate, you know, doesn't seem to be much of a mandate, more of a coercion and ramblings of an old senile, um, geriatric patient. However, Nicole informed me that OSHA is starting to put together language around this. Nicole, would you uh, fill us in on what that language is?
0: This is great that I'm being called on to fill you in on this because I've 100% not read the language. I've 100% read an article that said OSHA released draft <laughs> language and that's where we're at. That's the last update I've heard. I I've been really busy getting ready for some uh, an event I'm doing this weekend and I was speaking at an event last weekend so I've literally been like focused all about me and not about everything else and have not looked at it. So uh, that's what I know. So there is no, no regulation around it yet, but it looks like they're trying. Yeah. And we did have the Southwest incident where they did, they, they implemented a mandate said they were going to stop paying people who were not, not vaxxed, even if they had applied for an exception and that was still a review. And then within, it seems like hours, but it might have been an actual whole day. They reversed, and now they're no longer putting people on unpaid leave for that.
2: Yeah, no, it took some time. That, that's right; it took some time for that to happen. And I did a whole episode on baseline about it. Basically, what happened was Southwest was like, "Hey, you guys can't, uh, you guys can't get paid if you don't get the banana box." And all of the pilots and the crews and everybody were like, you know, basically, you know, big middle finger to the company and walk off and then they grounded like a couple thousand flights and they called it because of bad weather and that was the on, ongoing joke sort of like let's go brandon it was like the, uh, the the code word for we're having some bad weather right when really all of their employees were basically like fuck you we're not gonna do it and so then they had to ground and they were losing all this money and so basically the cave like little bitches and then came around we're not gonna make you get the nanobots and so and so Uh-oh. that's
0: what happened. And we lost X. We could totally works. tell he was going to go off. So anyway, we brought on um, Rob Kaiser today because we're talking about homesteading and All Around Growth is a podcast. Talks about what, Rob?
1: In a nutshell, what what I'm trying to do with the podcast, what I'm doing with the podcast is shedding a little insight and providing some tools and resources to help build the life and homestead of your dreams. Homestead second, life is first.
0: Life is first, homestead second. And so we're excited to have you on the show. How did you go from wherever you started to um, thinking about homesteading?
1: That's uh, okay. So what's my story and and how did I get here and how, how does homesteading fit into all of that? Um, well, my name is Rob, I, I'm, I'm, I live in Northeast o- Ohio and I'm finally feeling a little bit grounded here on the homestead, which is located at York Meadow Farm. You can see what we're, what's going on here at yorkmeadowfarm.com. And uh, I landed here years ago after uh, pretty much a, a nomadic gypsy-like lifestyle in my twenties and thirties. And, but to provide some context for over 20 years, I've worked in multiple facets of the green industry all across the country and really, you know, went from laborer and worked myself into what I thought was the perfect career path in the corporate world. And, and, and until my goals and objectives started to change while living in Southern California for a number of reasons. And then one of those reasons uh, included the discovery of Jack's podcast around 2010. And shortly thereafter, I began utilizing a lot of what I was learning there in conjunction with what I was learning elsewhere to put together my own exit strategy and get back here to Ohio to help my parents develop some raw land that they had recently purchased a few years prior. And um, in a nutshell, that's, that's it. Uh, things also changed, um, my perspective, that is. Because in the in part of the exit strategy to get me back here included one last project in the uh, north central Texas area, and um, <clears throat> during that project, I had I previously had a vacation scheduled, and to make a long story short, after a backcountry trip in Utah in late 2013, I ended up in a coma, and um, that really put some. That helped me gain a lot of perspective about what is important in life. And with all the problems that are going on, I, I've i continued to make plans. I've continued to adjust my plans and really think twice about why I'm doing that after that experience. So here we are a few years later, uh, made a bunch of bad decisions in the process, chasing other people's dreams and going deeply into debt. And uh, that led to a second burnout and, um all of those experiences combined are basically what comprises the all-around growth podcast. Just sharing my experience and giving back what was effectively freely given to me.
3: Hell yeah! I love folks that uh, learn about freedom and, and get motivated to act through uh, Jack's podcast because it's just he's you know he's he's a realist. He's hard hitting. He doesn't sugarcoat things, but it's always. It comes back to getting shit done so i appreciate that you were inspired by that that you decided to shift your lifestyle and then i also appreciate that you're sharing with people uh some of the tips and strategies and, and what you've learned
1: yeah it's, it's if anything it's a long slow it it can be a long slow process there's a lot of people and and and, and more often than not a lot of the people that we look to and see as mentors we, we see all the good and it looks as though they've done things really quick. But when I think about things and reflect back on things, this has been a decade long process. I'm 44 and I've really spent a quarter of my life trying to, to, to get in this groove and, 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 and sometimes it feels like a grind and yeah, Jack's podcast and this community um, and all of the little sub communities are, are really what's are a big part of what's helped keep, keep things going for me up here and in here.
0: Yep. X yep. is back. X is back in, in the house again. X, can we hear you?
2: Check one, two. Sorry about that, guys. I all think, right. Uh, I pissed my I'm all.
0: returning the scepter to you of moderation. It's all you. Oh, no.
2: Dom's doing a great <laughs> job, too. I, I think uh, that I think what we were chatting about was uh, what happened with Southwest. But I'm happy to go in. That you, I'm glad you kind of moved it over to, to Rob and what, what he's been doing. And John, yeah, you're you're totally right. There's like a whole community. You're one on one, Eve, Eve Nicole, like we all, you know, are are doers. Um my kids were in a volleyball and the, the coach said, There are three types of people in the world. Those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who wonder what the fuck is happening.
0: And I think <laughs> we're
2: all we're all on, on that part of like we are all makers of things that happen, right? No, and no, we're all inspiring. wondering
0: what the fuck happened, X. I mean <laughs>
2: <laughs> oftentimes, oftentimes, right? We're, we're, we're yeah. making things happen because we're wondering what the fuck is happening. Um, yeah. So, Rob, <laughs> you, you mentioned in your your adventure that you you know you were tired of working in the grind, and I think um you know it really helps to see people like Jack, like John, like Nicole, who are who are doing something in their own lives and making you know changes in their own lives, and um, What I'd like to know from you is what was the biggest hurdle or the biggest uh, challenge that you faced when you made that transition, right?
1: Uh, The biggest hurdle or the biggest, um, the biggest hurdle during that transition was was undoubtedly going through that uh, medical experience where I ended up in the hospital in a coma for several days. I, I had a plan in place. I was executing the plan. And that 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 threw a monkey wrench in the works however, um, with that said uh, just just six months after that experience part of the plan included permaculture voices conference uh, the first one I think where we met initially um, yep. Yep. you and I and I, I Despite all the, all the challenges with everything that was going on, I, I made a point to attend that and the next one and the next one and any number of conferences during those years as well. And, um, you know, hurdles become a lot easier when you've got a strong community around you to help lift you up and support you. And Nicole, you kind of talked about that on your thought of the walk, you know, that, that, that all these people around us, it's, it's not our competition. We're all doing this because we have a bigger broader picture in mind of what it is that we're working towards. Yeah, and I we think all we, we all lift and raise each other up.
0: We can totally have some fun healthy competition like if you're raising pigs and I'm raising pigs, who does a more efficient job of that and like give each other crap about that. That's awesome. <laughs> Me like saying your your pigs are crap because you're my competitor is the wrong way to approach any of this. And that's that's where I kind of come from on the competition standpoint is we have a pie that can grow and grow and grow. And these shortages that are happening right now are just an opportunity to link people back with real food and real nutrition and taking control of their health. It's a huge opportunity right now. It makes me really excited as much as, you know, the horror of watching what's watching the sheep, right. Or as, as X would say, the cows moo. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's really cool to see so many people waking up all over the place and, and realizing how they've been programmed wrong
4: so Rob, I'm sorry I don't know your story and um, and I didn't do my homework before I came in today so I apologize for that but um, was your medical experience what you would say? woke you up to this or you you were saying you were already on a mission, you were doing this already, and then what happened if you don't mind my asking, maybe you don't want to share it, so I apologize. No, no
1: no that's that's perfectly <laughs> fine. I'm I'm comfortable talking about it. I I have epilepsy. I was diagnosed at the age of thirteen. Don't know why. Uh, I have uh, I don't know why I have seizures. We've been unable to determine the the root cause and and I'm 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 still undergoing some some work with functional medicine to try and work through that in conjunction with some other things. But what happened in a nutshell was, um, I, in the process of, of getting back here, I was just, I was, I was grinding, I was working, I was putting in a lot of hours. I wasn't taking care of myself. And since stress is one of the triggers of seizures, um, I was, I was having them repeatedly. I probably shouldn't have been on the project in the first place, Uh, I probably, I definitely shouldn't have taken that vacation or the, or the trip to the back country in Utah. But, uh, when we were driving back to Denver, I was, I just, uh, my friend thought I was sleeping. I was having seizures slumped over in the front seat for, for hours on end. And, and basically they, they had to, uh, medically induce me into a coma with propofol to control, all delete my brain to get it out. So. I I was already in the process of, like, that was kind of the final phase of the exit strategy to get back here from California to Ohio. Uh, Needless to say, that expedited the the process.
4: Sure. Well, I think it's fascinating that um, a lot of us have arrived in this moment due to some health crisis, either with ourselves or with someone in our family. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, if anything, it just really clarified what, like, what's important. I mean, I, I, I had previously been working on this corporate career path and, 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 and year, a year or two prior to that experience, coming home, spending time with family, talking about plans in the future. That's what, that's what got the idea in mind, uh, in my mind. And, but, but when that happened, it, Things, things like that, I guess, put life in perspective and really help you understand what is of value in life and what isn't.
4: I was just having that conversation with one of the members here because they are having issues at schools with their, you know, high school children. And they're saying, you know, like they really need their kids to be able to like this is supposedly the most important time in school. And I said, is it? Is it because if we're talking about these times, then you know, I said, Isn't it more important for them to get their priorities straight to have some skills? Um, I don't know that it's as important as university or anything like that, unless you just want them to go get a job, which I think all of us would agree is probably not the way. There's all these other alternatives, and so you know, those moms were like. You know, yes, we know that this is the direction that we want to go in. And also, how do we get our spouses and extended family on board, especially when they're all asleep and we're in the middle of this time when there's already so much division for all these other reasons that they feel like they would just be adding more one more thing. And I, I mean, I don't know how many people out there right now who are listening to us have this conversation are in the same boat. I mean, I have a teenager who's in high school. It's like a real um, challenge when, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard recently that in schools, there's some teachers that are taping masks to the faces of the kids so they'll stop pulling them down. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What? I saw that. Yeah.
3: I think it's like none of this is going to be easy and the, the lifestyle that we sovereign human beings um, is such that it's going to take a lot of work and it's radically different from the status quo and we're going to have to make sacrifices in certain areas. And a lot of people, like we're doing this this to Build Land Summit, and a lot of people are like, well, I can't leave the city because my parents are here or because my job is here, A, B, and C. And, and one thing I encourage people to do is like be conscious of the competing values uh, that you have in your life, right? So freedom is one value, but also convenience or connection to family is another value. And, you know, one thing to consider is that we it doesn't have to be either or there's certain times where we could have all of the above, right? Um, but at the end of the day, for, I think it's absolutely critical that our kids aren't in the government schools because that's a space that there's a lot of control and a lot of influence on their minds. And if the kids are in government schools, then it's even more important for parents to teach critical thinking and to teach you know, revisionist history, how things really play out. But if you do have a desire to pull the kids out of government school, then it all starts with making a decision to do that and then coming up with a plan and a strategy to make that happen. Even if it takes a semester, even if it takes two semesters, uh, I just think it's important that we're really pulling out of as many of these institutions as we possibly can. And not only do we pull away from them and we insulate ourselves and our kids from their influence, but we're also spending more energy building out the alternatives like the homeschool cooperatives and the private schools. I know it's easier said than done, but we can do it. And the one thing that we add to make it easier is, is doing it together with the community and relying on the help of
2: fellow like-minded people. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. If you're going to say no to something, having something to say yes to is super critical. Yeah. Because if you're just resisting, there's no positive, there's no light force there. But if you like doing what John says and you've got a vision of how that's supposed to go. Rob, when you when you... Came into your your homesteading life, and we heard that it came through like a medical kind of you know instigator, and and that that's right, Nithi. Like a lot of that has happened in all of our lives. Um, you know, Ooh. some kind of discomfort gets us to actually change. Some kind of anger, some kind of frustration, some kind of real discomfort. So, Rob, for you, do you do you have a vision? Have you been building a positive vision of like this is how I want my house to be? This is what I want to be growing. A lot of that uh, envision for you. <clears throat>
1: Yes and no. Uh do I have a vision? Yes. The what, what's what's interesting is that I'm I'm at the I'm I don't first and foremost I don't own this land. Okay. Um like I said my parents bought this land. The original idea was to to just have a retirement property. I'm a suburb kid. We were born in the suburbs from suburb parents. Um and the land that in a nutshell, they, they, they bought more land than they were anticipating because they liked this particular piece over the holidays. That's when the discussion of, you know, Hey, we, we could do something with this, you know, Rob, you've got all this experience with plants, all this, you know, homesteading is great, but over, over the first few years, the vision came to be, and I spent ridiculous amounts of time on this. That was where taking every Yes, it was good to go to these conferences and talk with everybody, assemble information and put it together in a plan. But that plan's gotta be appropriate to your context and it wasn't appropriate to mine. That's why I burn out, that's why I went into debt, that's why I, I experienced failure after failure. But that's all part of the learning process and that vision has changed. We've got people here working with us now that weren't a part of that uh, five years ago. Um, we've got a tenant farmer here now. Uh, it, it helps us. It helps him. And, um, and, and there's been more of a realization in, in that vision that I can't do things the way that I was trying to do them. I need Cody. I need to learn what my parents are doing and I need to take a lot of what I'm doing and delegate that out because, you know, uh, some of that work is just better, better suited for other people. And there's, uh, you know, to get your vision to actually come to fruition, you have to learn what you're good at, what you can do, what you shouldn't do, and then learn how to, how to balance it all. It's, 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 It's a real good balancing act. So yes, there is a vision. Has it changed? Hell yeah. And I'm sure it's going to continue to change.
0: You know, it's funny that that you bring that up because a lot of people will ask me how I keep up on my homestead by myself. And the answer is I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Homesteading by yourself looks a lot different than what we're doing here. And if I didn't have four households around me and my mom coming in to help with processing and all of those things, I would have a much scaled back lifestyle. Here yep. from the homesteading perspective, and I think it's important that we're honest about that with people. Absolutely, because people think I'm going to rotate oh all god. these animals, and I'm going to grow all the vegetables, totally. and I'm gonna preserve everything. And oh my god, I'm never going to sleep.
2: That's that's what happened when I got my farm, and it was like a, a ten point seven two acres, and we just went hog wild. We did everything. Like <laughs> we created Google beds, we created keyhole gardens, we created greenhouses. I mean, I had animals in the barn. I like literally, I was like a kid at a candy shop and just went all hog wild, did the whole thing. And then like two months in, I'm like, this is nuts. How How did people do this? Um, and then I realized, oh, they had children or, or they had like a community that all, everybody in the community was doing this. And, you know, many hands make light work, um, but it is, it's a lot of work to manage a, a land and creating systems. So, I mean, then we, you know, pulled in the zone one real close to the house um, cause we didn't want to walk down the hill to go, go to the gardens every day, you know, and you just, but the only way you find these things was to actually do them. Right. And even that was a fun exploration and a process of learning to the point where it's like, okay, now I understand the systems that are super critical, um, to our survival, like, you know, some animal husbandry, some good veggies, uh, micro clean water, you know, power power making, and then, you know, how to make those super efficient in a small plot. Right. Um, enough that, that, that we can get by. So Rob, are you doing any, any animal husbandry? I know neepi and, uh, and Nicole are, uh, John, you probably, you just got a farm. Congratulations. By the way, Yay. I saw your posts. That's really, that's really amazing. Good job. Thanks. Are you doing well, up, any animal husbandry? What are you planning on doing there?
1: here right now we we currently are not a few years ago before while we were still renting and saving up money to actually get out here we took a stab at running ducks because we have a we have a a nice pond uh had predator issues because we weren't living out here three years um i definitely want to have ducks again and if i can pull it off i'd like to do another nrcs equip grant for fencing and uh we've got a two acre parcel that's ideal for sheep. And I'd like to get some hair sheep out there. Um, whether or not all that can be done in three years, I don't know, but I'd at least like to have some birds.
2: Yeah, that's good. What about you, John? What's your plan?
3: Uh, I think he was referencing me. Um, so we just bought a 10 acre homestead. We closed about five months ago. Super excited about that. I very ambitiously laid out a giant tarp, two giant tarps, um, it was really like a painter's kind of uh, tarp. Yeah, yeah. And we laid it out over a huge area uh, to do the garden. And once it laid out, you know, it's kind of like, okay, this is, this is a lot of space here. Uh, and then, you know, we went out of town and came back and the wind had blown it off and all the grass was dead. I, I laid it out. It's called desolarization. So you take away the sunlight and all the plants underneath will die, right? But it still maintains the integrity of the soil underneath. And so we pulled it out, and for the longest time, it just sat there, and sure enough, some grass came back. But uh, to echo what you guys were talking about earlier, it wasn't until we hosted a work party, uh, six people came over from the local Freedom Cell network, and that's finally where we started to dig the garden beds and lay down the cardboard, and now we have three beds. Uh, My intention is to get a big old fence around the whole area, so then we can just slowly but surely do row crops, make it real easy on ourselves. But for now, we have these little hoop gardens Uh, with a netting because we have a horse on the property. To answer your question, we're not going to eat the horse, of course, but it's a a beautiful, friendly horse there. It's like a big dog. It just walks over to get pet. My daughter braids its hair. It's really cool. But uh, our (laughs) goal is to first get chickens. Um, The last homestead I lived on uh, where my kids were born uh, two and a half years ago, we had over a hundred chickens and I learned it was like, it's pretty damn easy to be a chicken farmer. The biggest thing uh, like Rob was saying, you got to protect them from predators. Uh, That's the most difficult thing. In my opinion, they just, I think having chickens is a lot easier than growing vegetables in my opinion. Um, So that'll be our first step chickens. And then um, I'd like to have pigs, but my son is just so empathetic and loves animals so much. I don't, we may have to like, only slaughter it if shit really hits the fan or some kind of deal like that. But
2: definitely going to yeah. get chicken.
3: That will be the first step.
2: That's awesome. So I live in uh, a suburb at this point. Um, well, I, I consider South Florida one just big, shitty city because um, there's not enough <laughs> food to grow around. Um, but we're taking our backyard, which is nice and big, and, and doing a whole permaculture system here. Um, but we're doing, like, all tropicals, right? And, and like, I don't, like, if things get really bad and we need to bug out, this is not where we're staying. But we are going to make it as pleasurable and as nice and as self sufficient as possible in the meantime. And we've got enough space, and we're in a non-HOA, the only one in South in, in Delray, that we can actually have chickens, we can have rabbits, we can have goats. We could actually have a pig. My sister has a pig, or did have a pig. And, you know, it's all about confinement and, and like, making the maximum use of space. I really love a pigeon idea. Um Rob or Don, Neepy, have you done anything with pigeons?
3: For food to eat?
4: Pigeons? Oh, no. I mean, I know people yeah. who eat pigeons, but we're very, um, uh, I think we are very focused on trying to, you know, provide people with the things that they're used to finding um, in stores and, and things. Not, um, I mean, I try to keep it keep things cut as close to those things as possible because, you know, I'm helping people take their standard American diet and leave it outside and re, you know, reset their whole life. And I'm helping coach a lot of people. So for that reason, I try to make it as you, I mean, as consistent and as simple and close to what people are used to, you know, um, enjoying. And so, you know, our focus is on pork beef and chicken we have duck, we have lamb, we, we did have goose um, and turkeys, you know, like for Christmas along with the duck and the, everything else. Um, so yeah, we, we're not really venturing off into pigeon or <laughs> um, yeah. and we're also not, you know, I'm not, well, when, no I, iguana? when I No iguana or turtle or oh, frog. we got plenty of iguanas
2: or, here. Mm. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're not doing any of those kind of things. We're focused on the things that people are pretty consistently used to having. And, I mean, even to the degree where. No, and actually, um, I have access to rabbits. But, you know, we use more rabbit for dog food than anything,
2: actually. Interesting. I I know uh, the goose goose thing is is a real thing. And so are the ducks, right? Mm -hmm. Duck meat and duck eggs. I know yes. Jack's been doing that pretty I have duck eggs,
4: week. I have duck every week. We have chicken eggs. Well, the chicken eggs and duck eggs are like a main staple in everybody's home around here. We also used to have turkey eggs. Um but, you know, that was cuz we were uh I had I had one of my producers was hatching all these heritage birds. And so we had every, we had all the geese, the duck and the duck Duck, goose, turkey. Yeah, all that was coming from my one heritage uh, food producer. And then, of course, she quit now. And now she's gone and she's doing other things. So in 12 years, I've I've been through several producers that work with me for, you know, almost a decade and then did something else. Yes, duck, duck, goose. (laughs) You you said
0: it. I could not. I could not. Uh
2: You know,
4: you know what? What I've learned that um, that that is really cool that people might be able to appreciate and might look forward to maybe trying this Thanksgiving is we learned from one of our members that you should, you know, fry a duck and then a goose and then a turkey because the fat from the duck stays, you know, in the pan in the pot. And then the goose releases even more. And then the flavors that go Ooh. through it is That's so turducken. good. That's
0: aspirational for next year because I don't have time to create a goose. Is that the turducken? Is that, is that called turducken? No, is, turducken is, that that is? is chicken stuffed chicken into, a duck, into stuffed a duck, stuffed into a turkey. Into a turkey, yeah. That takes but this a little is- bit of work.
1: But, yeah. you're just talking about utilizing all the fats for flavor. Yes. Mm, for, uh, yeah. Yeah.
4: So you just mm-hmm. put the duck in first yes. and then you fry the goose and then you fry the turkey uh, and you serve it all out. Ah, oh, it's
1: like, very sick. good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I see this, this comment here from sugar Creek Homestead quail are easy quail uh, are not only easy for, because we it's really cool that we have this lineup here. We like, we have, homesteaders in the country we have urban homesteaders and we have the person who's figured out she can outsource to people who like to do that because she does not like to do that right <laughs> so we have wow. our lifestyles tapping into a homesteading lifestyle it, with their best talents because what Neithi does is she sells all this stuff for these people who don't want to sell stuff and right. and on an urban homestead quail are great rabbits are great and they're quiet Yep, and they make meat it you know yep. you can do this anywhere.
4: Yeah. Well, and the birds are yeah. the cleanup crew.
0: Building.
4: Birds are the cleanup crew. Birds are what keeps the ecosystem balanced. They're the ones that are helping to manage all of the bad, bad bugs. If there's bad bugs, there's no bad. I mean, like every everything has a job, and so it keeps everything in balance. And then if you run the herbivores behind that, you know, then it's it becomes. Even better. So Rob and your fencing thing, you know, I might want to suggest that you pay attention to uh, some light fencing and some of the stuff that Joel Soliton talks about keeping everything mobile. So just all you really want is a permanent perimeter fence. And once you have your permanent perimeter fencing, then you want to make everything else inside a little bit more mobile so that you have a lot more freedom so that you can utilize those livestock like the lamb is so good to run in so many various areas and with the birds, you know, you want to like yeah. have a pattern. And so if you were to um, use light fencing, it's cheaper, it's easier. All you do is you go stake out the land and that way you have the base, base areas staked out. And, um, um, and then, you know, like I'm just so not for taking grant money from people who I don't like, since I don't, most of the people providing the grants, I'm not. Liking them, and I, I used
1: know. to. I that that used to be my mindset. Um, and 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 I I can respect that, but I had a change of heart, and who knows, I might have another change of heart. But what you're talking about with the perimeter fencing is is the plan, because that's um. A, a, as long as you've got something to keep everything contained, what you do with the inside and the guts of your system yeah. is, is is modular, so to speak, so it's good to have that flexibility. It's yeah, and way.
2: it could be lightweight too. Like um, you think was saying, just some yep. sticks and then some chicken wire, you know, to keep in your, your small animals. Once the goat or the, the sheep recognize they won't they won't go over unless they jump. Yeah, I go suck. I fucking hate goats. Yeah. Um, I love my yeah, goats. I,
0: they are so playful.
2: Well, I had a goat that just did all everything it could like we built like eight foot tall fences with like you know bars sticking in and somehow he got out and he kept eating. my neighbor was so so thrilled about their orna- their fucking ornamentals and he like that was his life and the goat just went over and did not respect the ornamentals I called the cops over and, what? and over again yeah he just ate the ornamentals and i was holding my baby who was one years old my wife was gone somewhere my kids were crying he calls up he's like come and get your goat i'm like shoot the fucking goat and he called the police and the police brought my goat and i was like i told him to shoot the goat um i traded that goat for moonshine and that was the best deal i've ever made (laughs) So sorry, I didn't mean to. This is a great
0: me, time but... to talk about homesteading mistakes. Okay, so who's <laughs> yes. a real, really big homesteading mistake? Rob, have you done anything that you really regretted, and what was it?
1: <laughs> I've done every, something that I regretted. Yeah, you
0: said everything just now. Just for <laughs> <of> <laughs>
1: I, I mean, I, I think, you know, honestly, I, I don't, I don't, I don't regret anything. I'm glad I have made the choices that I did and, and took the actions that I did. otherwise I wouldn't have gotten to the point now, which is uh, learning that you know despite all the research that we do and all the people that we follow and all the, 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 the plans that we see and it, it, it's all it's good to obtain and, and, and get all this information, but it's got to be appropriate to your context and whatever is applicable to your own life and your land or the land that you're working if you're renting on someone's property. Uh, and ultimately for me, the, the one of the worst ideas that I did was to try and buy things that I, I didn't need with money that I didn't have to impress people that I didn't know. It got me tens of thousands of dollars in debt and really slowed things down. I wouldn't do that again.
2: Wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: I'm gonna guess X wishes he never got the goat. Anything else? Yeah,
2: again, the, the, the moonshine was amazing. My wife really wanted goats. I'm like, okay, you get the goats. And 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 I I really like the moonshine. It was it was like right there in the holler, you know, real, real uh, Western North Carolina moonshine. So it was worth it in the end. Nice.
0: John, John, have you had time to make stupid homestead mistakes? Uh yeah. Well I lived on a homestead
3: for two years, that's where my kids were born. We did a home birth. And the biggest mistake that I made, which ended up being a pretty, pretty major one was, uh, we built a whole lot of gardens and food production systems on a property that we are renting, which I I think Rob said earlier that they're renting their Mm -hmm. place. So I would make sure that you have a long-term lease if that's what you're doing and make sure that you maintain really solid relationships with the, landlord because we were on a month-to-month lease which was really foolish looking back the house had some issues my ex-wife was a little militant in her manner with the landlord and after we built like 16 giant culture gardens and like 10 uh, maybe six cinder block beds and we had 100 chickens there uh, the landlord decided to give us the boot and we had built a community around it everyone was super resentful uh, we had to move into an apartment and oh, that basically God. like started sowing the seeds of the destruction of my marriage and everything fell apart oh, at that God. point. But so oh, that's why it's really important for me to own and, and control as much as possible in my life.
4: Well, you know, I don't homestead, but I have a very expensive education too. cost you know, right around a quarter million dollars, you know, we were in brick and mortar and trying to think that we were creating like this really cool, fun, you know, marketplace for everybody to get everything regenerative and all this medicinal food. And everybody thought I was like Harris Teeter and they made assumptions that, you know, there's all these, uh all this money to be made with these big margins with real food because you know and i'm like oh, okay this is not the way and i was actually I, I mean i invested in everything that you would do to create a space that is very professional you know like a regular business but i think a lot of people don't realize or know that our system is so uh inverted and there's n- I mean, the, what everybody believe like when you're buying food in a grocery store, actually, you're never paying for the food. You're just paying for wholesale distribution. And what you're actually supporting is corporatocracy that is making their money out of the medical realm. And at the same time, there's all this, um, you know, human rights that are being violated to bring you this food that you think is everywhere. That's not anywhere. So um, for all you homesteaders out there, I mean, I don't know. Are all the homesteaders interested in trying to do that as a business? I don't think so, right? Like mostly it's just to control your own and produce for yourself.
0: I, I think it depends. So a lot of people do want to make a profit off of, of, of what we're producing. But we mostly just, I mean, like where what got me into homesteading was that I could not find good food that I could pay for. Yeah. And and actually, yeah. originally in Tennessee, I couldn't even find it, even though it was here. It was just hard to find. Yep. And I thought, like, my health is worth it. So I started growing food. And then that led to another thing where it was like chickens before I had infrastructure and then ducks yep. before I had infrastructure and then goats before I had infrastructure. You see a pattern here? Yes. I have like I have yeah. a pasture of Mars right now on Uh my homestead where the pigs are, and we're just now starting to rotate them after a whole year of having pigs here. So you can imagine what that looks like, right?
2: Yeah. I
0: finally got them rotated, but it's because I've been so militant (laughs) about the quality of the food you get at the grocery store that I'm like, I'm done. I'd rather have pigs raised on Mars at my place than (laughs) whatever the hell that is they have at the store. So, Rob, I
4: mean, see how all of us have had these PhD... Uh, price tagged education <laughs> it's like by the time it's all over with you know this our, i mean we're, we have like a phd in whatever <clears throat> whatever yeah. it is that we're doing
2: but it also brings up a great point it's like a lot of people buy houses or rent houses oh, right. and they become like, the, become biggest like the biggest expense of the of the, of the individual what we're talking about with homesteading and this is something that jack brings up a lot too and i think each one of us here you know uh, adhere to it as well Is that what can you produce, you know, uh, what can you do with your land that makes it productive, um, that makes it pay for itself and or produce abundance in your life? Right. So, um, John, Jack, you know, uh, I don't know if you're doing this, but Nicole, you do this. You guys have events at your places. And like John was saying, you know, barn raising sort of like many hands make for light work. People will come. They'll share that in-person experience. They, you know, have that, that opportunity for Darshan or whatever, where you get to share and people's energy really create good bonds. But you get you, you do something so that your your homestead produces something, whether it's chickens and producing or uh, eggs and, and meat or 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 vegetables so that you're you're relying less on the sick and out of balance civilization around you and more on your connection with spirit and creator and God. And being able to to be productive and, and, and make something happen with your land, right? Nicole has the, the desire for clean and healthy food. It's solving problems with what you have, right?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I'm going to share my biggest mistake, build the fence, then get the animal. Ah, yes. I'm talking yeah. about adding sheep right now, and we do not have fence for hmm. sheep right now, but... I'm tired of mowing grass. Like, why would I mow grass? Sheep eat grass and they're delicious.
2: Hmm. Yep. Yep. We just yep. finished putting our fences in and now it's time for putting in a, a coop so we can get a bunch of chickens and duck and quail and rabbits.
0: That sounds cool. Hell yeah.
2: Yeah. So, awesome. Rob, with your, with your place, and are you guys looking at it as, a, as sort of like a bug out location? or a bug-in location, you know, like civilization's collapsing, your family wants a place, they're like, Rob, go prepare it? Uh,
1: if anything, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm strictly speaking from my own perspective. If anything, this is going to be a bug-in bug, a bug in location. Um, yeah. We w- there's, there's a lot to be said about everything that's been said about uh, what you were saying and talking about community. We've done a lot of bringing people here in the past we had a big event to build the high tunnel the 30 by 96 high tunnel a few years about oh, five nice. years ago um brought in a little over a dozen people over the course of two weekends to build that and um a few years ago some of our friends people that i buy beef from they wanted to bring in the farmstead Smith from out the, out west in washington vashon island and they didn't have a place because they were in the process of building their own homestead. Our place wasn't quite done, but the barn was. So we brought everybody here and had a big beef butchering workshop here. Um, the, 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 the part of the, I think what's, I, I, what a, this is something that's been brewing in my head for, for, for a few minutes. And I, I want to throw this out there because I think it's important. Yep. You may not own land. I don't own land. For a long time, I didn't own land. For a long time, I also lived in places that didn't have anything available to me in order to to homestead. But I knew that's something that I wanted to do. I knew at some point in my life I would be able to. And even if things don't work out here in the long run, what I'm doing is I'm actively building a skill set. And I didn't do that on my own land or where I lived. Uh, In the past, I went out to other people's farms and volunteered my time in exchange for produce. There's, there's, you know, took care of uh, chickens where I was at in one place I lived in, in exchange to lower the rent. There's, there's all sorts of things that you can do to grow your skill set in the interim. If you're not in a position to at, at where you want to be, because the more I learn, the more I realize I don't think I'm ever going to get to where I want to be. People are always asking me why I'm like, what exactly it is that I'm doing, but I, I, and I don't know, I don't even know how to answer it. It's just that I'm not satisfied. I want a homestead because I don't feel confident about the future or the direction, the thing that things are moving in the future. Right. And even though that this is a long, slow process, it's paying off because skills are being gained. Communities are being built. Networks are being formed. And should things get to that point where they do get that bad, you know, sooner than later, having these systems in place or at least working on getting them established now is going to be critical for when that time comes. And you don't have to have land. You don't have to have any of that to do everything you want to do. They're just obstacles and you can work around them.
0: So Rob brings it back to the the show content, like homesteading as a solution. That's cool.
2: Yep. And and one of the things that I was just about to mention was uh, woofing, right? Uh, Uh, Yeah. Wide organic farm workers on organic farms Mm -hmm. we had a lot of woofers and this goes to the many hands light work thing if you have a resource like land you know you can set up tiny houses or tents even camping and woofers will come and work on your land for free in exchange for a place to be kind of like what rob was doing i've done that my wife and family we did that um at a time and then we had woofers come to our our farm so this might be an option for those of you out there who don't own a homestead yet but want to try the lifestyle try the you know experience it you know, go become a member of woofer woofers. Um, there's a website that you can go to. It's w w o o f e r s dot com um, or just look up w w o o f uh, on Google or DuckDuckGo and um, take a look at that, that. There's opportunities all around the world, literally, and part some are in communities, some are on far, family farms and homesteads and get to know the options that are out there and see if this lifestyle is good for you. Right. Try it out. John, have you guys had any woofers yet?
3: No, we haven't. We uh, our goal is to have eight households living on the property. Right nice. now, we have our household and we have our first community member. He uh, uh, lives in a. He created. He got a U-Haul and turned it into a house. And he normally travels all, right. all around the country, but he's, he's right. down with us in Central Texas. So um, we don't have woofers. Um, I have this this like block where I want to build community and I want to do like big events at our property, but I'm also hesitant of the general public and folks getting involved that aren't yet vetted in part because I've been burned before. And also I got my two kids on the property and and I've been doing activism and organizing for 19 years now. And I know that the number one thing that can cause uh, that can sow the seeds of disrupt, disruption is uh, infighting and and personality differences. That's why I'm super conscious about who who I do business with and who's in my little inner circle, of freedom cell type stuff. So that's that's one of my concerns. I don't know if it's hindering me from growth or if it's protecting me from sustainable growth. That may just be a little more work.
2: No,
4: that's we, a have great to, point. we, we had, had to consider that to be Yeah, we had had to consider it because we were going, you know, we had woofers that we were wanting to open up, you know, the farms for. And even here at the CSA, like we wanted to be able to work with people. But the problem is that a lot of the woofers just don't want to stay for, you know, like you want, they need to be trained. First of all, are they capable of doing the work and, you know, training people is expensive (laughs) and um you know a, a lot of the the things with the woofers that that we experienced was that you know like they have to be interested in building what it is that we're building and
2: yeah and we don't
4: have we are we're we're we have too much going on to give a free education and that's really what that experience we're we're bigger than that i guess is
2: Yeah, I would say if you're going to go and woof at anybody's farm, do your best and give it your all, because it really is a hit or miss. As a farm owner who's had a lot of woofers come through, Um, there were some really, really great ones, some lifelong friends, right? And then Mm -hmm. there were some that were just like, how soon can I get these people off my farm, right? Like, (laughs) like, my wife was super, super pregnant, and uh, there were these two young, young woofers, and it was like a big bag of feed, like a fifty pound fifty pound bag of feed, right? And and she was like, you know, big. And she's like, this needs to go over there. And they just stood there looking at it and looking at her. And she's like and, and she was so, you know, not pushy. She was like, really? And so she picked it up and they watched her pick it up and took it up, right? And like and then there was one that put their trash in our neighbor's truck, like dumped it in the <laughs> in their pickup truck. And, like, it was just, like, ridiculous. So there are good woofers and bad woofers, and it, it really comes down to training, like you said, how much time you put in your expectations. Like, if you are a farm owner and want woofers, the the first communications, you know, you can really bet them. Um, yeah, are the other... going somewhere... Go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say, you can pay your woofer. So woofers exchange housing for work at yep. your farm. Um, if you give them a stipend, you have a different pool of woofers to screen. Mm. Totally. And totally. and that's that's something to think about as a homesteader. It's not just food because I know the woofer perspective is it's not unusual to end up at a farm with crappy housing and beans and rice as your food. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Right. Because they're
0: feeding you, right? And if you are like, hey man, I mean we're keto here, so it's like all the meat. And all the fresh vegetables that you want, and we have this housing yep. set up, and you're going to get a stipend, but this is what we want for it, this number of hours, yep. these are the duties. I think I think that helps set you up for success so that you have clear expectations. Yeah. Real, real and quick, and another was, option. Go, Rob. Yeah.
1: Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, whooping is certainly a solid option. It's not the only option. One of the things over the years, I mean – I'm 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 almost like a a green industry guy. Yeah, I've helped castrate pigs and I've helped move animals and I've had, but that's not my that's not my my primary skill set. But to learn different things and to expand my skill set, I I navigated and managed to find different jobs where I could get paid to learn this stuff and then negotiate with my employer to learn more things that they didn't really expect that they would be paying me for, but they agreed to it. So I I imagine um, that. That, that that this could be done with animals or whatever homesteading skills that you want to learn. It may require bouncing around and doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, moving and shaking. But if you're willing to do that for the long game, you, you can most likely make a halfway decent living gaining skills that are going to be beneficial in the long run.
2: Yeah, that brings up a good point that somebody said in the chat. By the time they learn their skills, they bounce. Because you know, a lot of the time right. they're in there just to learn those skills, right? Um, right. The other thing is- That's that like,
4: free education we, that we're not willing to provide. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, Nicole, we, you know, went like, to the, we went to the same model that you're talking about. We started with free ones and then we're like, you know, we want real good ones. And then at, at one point it was like, we were having people pay rent who were living there and then we were paying them for work. And that's, that's basically when I started uh, Permacredits and Fire On, right? Because I was like, mm-hmm. how do I disintermediate okay. the state pay my people and have them pay rent and doing a value exchange in our community. And then that's, that's what birthed the whole fire on movement really. Um, and, and once that really took off, I, I, I stopped focusing on the homestead. Um, and so now it's, it's almost like I'm getting that itch to, to get back out into the country and, and rebuild that. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, Rob, like you, you, you're like, I'm, I'm dissatisfied with the world. I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what I want. Do you, what, what is your, Ultimate vision, and, and then John, I'm going to ask you the same thing. I think Nicole and Nipi, you guys can follow up at the end with that. The like ultimate like vision food, that food self sufficient.
1: The 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 ultimate.
0: Hmm,
1: that's a good question. Um, just 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 to spitball, I guess the, the the best idea that comes to mind right now. The ultimate vision is to to take this piece of land just it, it was raw land and half of it was conventionally farmed to take it from what it was and to turn it into something that could potentially be a legacy in the family to provide a place for people to come and learn and see what and how uh, farming, if you will uh, is done in an unconventional way, but in a healthy way and a regenerative way, and, you know, part of that vision is include nieces and nephews, but also, you know, subscribing to the agritourism bit and working with local schools to, to to turn this into a facility where kids can come and grow and learn, but ultimately just be able to provide for the family for the long run. That's that's the vision, just to, to create a, a more healthy, positive and beneficial world for the lives of people that I love and, and they love.
2: Right on. That's brilliant. That's that's it. Yeah. John, what about you?
3: Uh well, I like you guys know I like the ten X and um, I have a, a pretty big vision for, for what we'd like to do. Uh, to start, we want to create an intentional community with eight households, including ours. That means we need seven more. We already have one, so that's six more. And what we want to do is create What's a the cost repl- in
2: buy-in. Sorry to interrupt. What's the cost in buy-in? You have to- Oh, so yeah. Yeah. That's another struggle that I had. Um,
3: my fiance really wanted to do like a cooperatively owned thing where we're all equal community members, but back to my realization that I've mentioned earlier that, you know, infighting differences. So I was like the first one, you know, the first property I do, I'm going to raise my kids here. It's going to be my home. The first home I've bought, uh, I want to be in charge. You know, there's that George Bush quote. He said, uh, It'd be a heck of a lot easier if it was a dictatorship, just as long as I'm the dictator. So that's what—not um, to me, not to say that you know—that it, it's going to be like, oh, I'm controlling everything. But the first, our property, we're going to have folks that rent, so they'll either rent a spot and bring their own RV kind of setup, or we're going to purchase tiny homes, uh, or yurts, or whatever, and then people can rent. Um, but this is like an experiment, so we want to create a replicatable model. And my fiance and I, we just filed the LLC. We haven't got it started yet, but our goal is to bring together investors so we can purchase large swaths of land, 50, 100 acres plus, and then take that land and subdivide it and sell and then add infrastructure like power and uh, septic tanks and then sell those subdivided properties, but then hold Mm -hmm. back maybe 10 or 20 acres. And on that 10 or 20 acres, we do a similar setup where it's eight, uh, it's like a micro community, right? And so that's something I wanna do. And then I learned that Elon Musk with Tesla, he started by selling this Roadster and started selling the expensive cars so he could bring the money in so he could make the mass producible Model Y Y and Model 3, which I thought was really fascinating. So we wanna do that. We wanna sell it in a capitalistic sense to earn a lot of profit. And then my ultimate goal is to amass enough capital So that we can be the lender to help people that are like minded that maybe don't fit the traditional mold that a bank expects, we can help them get financing and the ultimate ultimate goal is to help our people exit the cities, build scores and scores and scores of intentional communities and rural communities and homesteads outside of the city and then link them all up in a confederation of sorts with trade routes, mutual defense compacts, and together we can collectively opt out of the bullshit and form our own free society. That's my vision.
0: Cool. And Xavier fell off, so let me just get him back in because he's, he's going to yell at me about StreamYard or something. Yeah. <laughs> Xavier, you're back.
2: <laughs> All right, who's next? can't hear any of you.
3: Uh-oh. Okay. He's like, StreamYard, StreamYard. Meanwhile, we got a crystal clear connection over here and everybody else. That's totally true.
0: It, it's because he's vertical and not horizontal right now. 100%. It's because he's an
3: insurrectionist, is what it is.
0: <laughs> or disruptor, disruptor. could it
3: be?
2: <laughs> right. Mm. So I
0: actually
2: I a little bit of that vision, and I I really love it. I think um, that that's I'd love to help you with uh, the tiny houses. We have really good ones for less than ten grand, um, and that that's a really, less than ten like, grand. Less than ten grand, yeah. And they're and they're like space age. Um, they're really really cool. Mm. Um, what are they made
3: with? They're
2: yeah, They're made out of salt fiber and graphene. And um, Graphene, our favorite. <laughs> yep, and, but it's green graphene made from hemp. So it's it's like cool. carbon. It's, it's space age stuff. It's really cool. Um, What's and the square really footage? And, uh, you can get the hexahome size, which is like almost 200 square feet. Um, or we can make a larger one. And even that's still under 10 grand.
3: That's cool. awesome.
2: Yeah, I'd love to learn <laughs> more. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, i actually. I just <laughs> met with the guy. Yeah, I'm starting to, to collect orders. Um, we're 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 making a smaller, like a one-fourth size. Ah!
0: Uh, Damn! And there hot. he goes.
2: There
0: okay, he goes. Neefy, give us your vision. I'm gonna I'm gonna call on you. What's your vision?
4: Is that we're we're at, well, you know, I'm working as the catalyst to reestablish the small family farm food system that was dismantled post World War II you know, as we all know. So I am actually working right now to organize an affiliate program to be able to educate people on how they can, you know, uh, build their own food church. And I have farm partners who are going to work with me to do that. And we just want to plant food churches with farms. That's what we want to do. So we want, we want everybody to be able to, you know, like... Everybody's not going to homestead. That's just the facts, you know, and a lot of people have other skills that they want to bring forward. And so, you know, I'm trying to just create the uh, food church everywhere so that people can freely exchange life-giving force. Food with integrity.
3: I love that. A franchise. So what people pay to have a franchise and then you have like standard operating procedures and they got a there's a model, a successful model kind of deal. Uh,
4: So it's not a franchise. It's an affiliate program. You know, like, John, are you familiar with CrossFit? Uh huh. So the CrossFit, like if you want to have a CrossFit box, the gym, then you have to meet a certain standard. But there is enough freedom for you to to manage it your own personal, like you be the business owner and do it your way. Yeah. So, um, it's the methodology because the methodology that I'm wanting to teach um, will, because, you know, I've, I think if any of you look around, there's not a whole lot of people who are doing regenerative meat successfully on scale, except for the three big guys like, you know, Joel Soliton's doing it. And, Tyson foods. and well, and commodity crap, I'm not talking about regenerative only. So yeah, there's like two guys, three guys, you know, there's a handful of people that are doing it. And then a couple of people that are doing it that are big are also dirty. They're not, their integrity's not there. So, you know, I want to ensure that there's integrity and that doesn't mean that it has to be all A grade. If it's going to be a C, just say it's a freaking C. Don't lie and say it's an A and sell it, you know, like sell them a C. So integrity matters. And, um, so, yeah, it's it's that they would, you know, we would have continued education because because we're literally on the bleeding edge. And so, therefore, there's always continuing education. You know, I mean, I know I'm learning something new every day. So
3: nice. That's kind of like our vision for a replicatable model. Kind of do it, perfect it and then help to spread it and scale it.
4: Correct. And I mean, you know, and allow, I mean, they need to be able to make their money. So that's the reason also for the affiliate versus, you know, the franchise.
3: Well, do you get a piece of all the memberships that are grown and the other ones?
4: Well, I mean, nothing
3: wrong if you do, that'd be a great I know. model. You. I mean,
4: I, I'm just saying, you know, pick your affiliate membership and pick your continuing ed and, you know, honor us with that, that part, at least, you know. Since yeah. we've taught you the methodology,
3: that's it. I like it. That uh-huh. could be a great business model.
4: Yep.
0: Hell so yeah. So we're working on it.
3: What about you, Sauce Master, the den mom?
0: <laughs> the den mom.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whip cracker, all of those things. <laughs> um, my, my vision's a lot simpler, and it's this. I don't care what your passion is, and I don't care what you build. But you need to build something and i care a lot about the health of the land and the health of my food and so what i'm doing is homesteading and what i can do is show you a how to create a lifetime vision and purpose and strategy to get you to your goal whatever that is i don't care if you live in an apartment in manhattan or you live in a suburb in portland oregon or you live on a homestead like I do, or you're doing the meat church like Nephi is, whatever that is, I want to help you own your life and live the life you love, no matter what anybody else thinks about it. Because the biggest flaw I see in our society is people are living up to expectations of everybody else, and they don't give any care about what they really want and what their passion is. So when you can find your passion and live your passion, that's freedom.
4: No matter what anybody
0: says, you go for it. That's freedom. And my freedom looks different than your freedom, but we can all coexist in in our different levels of, of what we choose to do. And then from there, what we do here at the Holler Homestead is we want to provide a model and a training center and a support network for people who want to take control of their lives. So we come here, we deal with psychological problems, we deal with all of the things we've learned, lessons learned in homesteading and raising meat and all of those things, right? But then also, you know, if welding or computer programming or cryptocurrency or whatever that is, we want to be a, a center for best practices so that you can skip all the stupid mistakes I've made, in, like not fencing before I get my animals, mm. and, and, you know, start your life with one leg up. That's, that's where we're going in our vision here at the Holler Homestead. Hell yeah. You know,
4: this is an abundant world, right, everybody? Like, there is no competition. Like, we can't, there is no competition. There's enough room for everybody to do everything. And this idea that, you know, that there's all this competition is a facade. It's part of the institutionalized brainwashing that we shouldn't be thinking in that way. There's room for everybody to, to be and do whatever it is that they're here to do. I mean, you're not here on accident. So I hope you know that, like you're not here on accident. Well, and there's not one way, right? No. Freedom, yeah. freedom
0: is so open that it scares the crap out of people. But actually, once you you embrace it, it's the most stable, supportive thing you can do for yourself is choose your life and live your life, and, and that's where and be That's why, and that's why I yourself. love Rob's story, right? He was like. Oh, I was doing all this shit I didn't want to do. And then I decided to, to not only do what I want to do, but help other people do what they want to do by having, you know, a podcast that encourages people.
1: Hell yeah. And it's, it's scary though it's to, 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 to do that. It's, it's frightening because it's not, it's frightening because it's different and it's so easy to fall into the trap of comfortable familiarity We oftentimes want to talk. We we talk about change. We don't want to make change. And then we talk about it. You know, everybody's talking, but no one's listening. Acting is hard. But consistency is key. Even if it's over the course of years, even if the years add up to a decade, just keep going. Don't stop.
3: Hell yeah. I like to think that we're not obviously we're not competing with one another, but we are competing with the state. Right. And that's exactly what Samuel Edward lined out in the New Libertarian Manifesto, that our strategy is to build the counter economy, to engage in the counter economy or in the context of today's topics to live a homesteading life that's more traditional, uh, to build community like in the holler or to build an intentional community, uh, to become wealth, wealthy and abundant through cryptocurrency and entrepreneurship to be healthy because we're eating good food and we're not using Western medicine. And then to compete with the status quo way of doing things and to shine so bright and be so healthy and beautiful and happy. And our kids are frolicking together, playing with one another and the, and the Daisy patch, you know, we're growing our own food and we're free and we're not having our money stolen by the man. And then the folks that are living in the legacy system, they're like, what are they smoking? I want me. I want some of that. And then we're like, come on over to the counter economy. There's room for everybody. Just opt out and let's roll. That's, I like to think that we're competing with the state to show the value of a different way of life that's better and more in line with our potential as, as free human beings.
0: Well, and that's where we get those questions about healthy community, which I see from Christine. How do you build a healthy community? And I think The unfortunate answer to that is you choose healthy community, right? Which means you choose to oust the unhealthy elements, which is hard. That's a hard thing to do because like, am I bringing this person along or are they just not there yet? And I got to go somewhere else. And what I've seen happen in our networks is we have the network, we have the healthy network, and then we have the underground network. The underground network are the people I can really count on to get shit done when I need something done. And those people are people whose cell phone numbers I have. Those are people who I can reach out to. And they will do anything for me. No questions asked. That's a very different network than the bigger community. But that doesn't mean that the community is bad. Right? Yeah.
4: Well, you have to be discriminating. And you have to be authentic. And you have to be brave enough to speak you know, your truth. And, and walk in that and you know that's the integrity piece that we keep talking about and going back towards
1: So one of the one and and you know healthy community is i mean it's hard and one of the hardest parts in developing a community that is healthy is learning how to navigate communication and boundaries and that's that 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 in and of itself learning effective communication skills is, takes time. And I mean, just because we've learned it, it's not always a safe assumption to presume that everyone else is on our same page, because more often than not, they aren't. And but if we, you know, we, the more that we learn how to effectively communicate, period, the more we can, you know, lead others by example with how we communicate with them and then maybe even share some of that so that the community just grows, uh, in its entirety. But, but communication is such an integral part of the success and ultimately the failure of things. And maybe not the failure, but just misery if you're not communicating well.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Nonviolent communication is a wonderful tool. Uh, you can search for Marshall Rosenberg, NBC talks in terms of emotions and feelings and needs, right? Because most human beings have unmet needs, which leads to difficult emotions and struggle. And a lot of people are never taught how to communicate their needs in a way so as to get them met, right? So I think an important thing with building community or working with someone or starting a new relationship is to preemptively lay a framework as far as what your boundaries are what your expectations are from the wolf farmer the community member even a significant other don't start with it on your first date of course but as things start to get serious (laughs) and then um have enough self-respect to enforce those boundaries because you can't draw a line in the sand and then keep stepping back when that line gets crossed you have to be able be willing to exit uh and 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 leave the relationship and i i think we should think about our relationship with government in that same context.
4: Yeah. I mean, just to speak your mind and, 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 and really hold the line is um, can be really hard. And you got all these folks that are uh, they're so sensitive. You can got, you got to also offer grace, you know, and you have to just be willing to give grace for misunderstandings. Oh. And that's something that I find that a lot of people right now aren't willing to do. I mean, when we were growing up, it was not a big deal for me to just say to my friend, Hey, you hurt my feelings. You hurt my feelings. And then my friend would be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I didn't know I hurt your feelings. And we don't have to figure out how we hurt the feelings and all this other stuff. We just were like, Oh, I'm sorry. Here's a hug. Can we just move on? And we just did. But, like, right now you got all these folks who got to, like, freaking sort it all out and reliving it and rehashing it. Maybe just might not be. Sometimes you just got to let it go. Sometimes you just have to be like, can we just hug it out and just can it just be over now? And let's just go to the next thing.
1: Letting it go and giving people grace is really important because, you know, I wouldn't have listened to myself five years ago. And chances are they're not. You know, five years from now, they're not going to be listening to the ideas that they have now. So uh, take that for what it's worth. I mean, uh, uh, we are all constantly changing. I think the only thing that the, the uh, differentiates people like us and those in the audience from a lot of the people that we have these challenges with are that we're aware of that, and they are not yet. But the more grace we give them, the sooner they may be.
0: This is a really good qu- question from Christine. Vetting is critical, but I can't get more than three people to attend a weekly meeting. How do we get the, how do we vet in a pool that small? Well, it's I mean, easier
3: in some ways when yeah. you have a small group <laughs> like that. Yeah. I, one thing, uh, a great tip that I have for folks for vetting is uh, to work on a project together. So, you know, going to a meeting and having a social setting, that's great. But, Add a little bit of stress to the equation. So maybe you guys host a little uh, meeting or like a speech or something, or you invite someone that'll teach about aquaponics or whatever, and you work together to execute that event. And just then you can kind of feel people out as you're doing something together. And ideally, if as a test, maybe some stress arises or some problem happens or the venue pulls out at the last minute or something, then you kind of see what people are really like, what their true colors are when a little bit of stress and tension is added to the equation. And you can know like, okay, they, we rolled through that. Well, we communicated, that was great. Or if they like freak out and get all angry or bad mouth you or whatever, then you have an early signal that it's no good. So
0: I, I want to know how I, many people will show up to a monthly event instead or a monthly meeting versus a weekly
3: yeah, it's always good uh, monthly.
1: It,
0: well, the consistency is so something
1: with regard to vetting is 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 cool, and I, I presume that you know we're getting what what are these weekly meetings that we're talking about? anyways? Are we're talking about like freedom cell meetings? Are we talking about? Uh, I, I don't know for context, but you know, so if there's a uh, if 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 you want to Christine, drop uh, drop a comment and kind of identify what kind of meetings you're talking about. But for me, before. Long before I got involved in the Freedom Cell Network and long before I was involved in some other things that I'm doing now, I knew that community was something that I wanted to be a part of. And even though I'm not Mr. Ultra Religious Guy, I generally I feel that people who generally are in, uh, you know, good people of good heart and mind, they attend church and they do volunteer work. So I started attending a church and I, and I explored a bunch of different options within the community locally in terms of what would be a good trip for me and how I wanted to spend my time volunteering. During that process, I've made a number of connections with the volunteer or people in that same volunteer group, people within the church. That's how I'm vetting people for how I want to drop this on them when the time is right, because I don't want to go around you know, talking like a Messiah, like, hey, freedom, you got to check that. Hey hey, 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 it's a great way to drive people away. But once you establish relationships, let them get to know you get to know them. You already know who they are without pushing the agenda, if you if, if, dare I say that. But once we've gotten to know people and established relationships, I think they're going to be more receptive to the ideas that we have about freedom, the ideas that we have about opting out and then building, and and everything that we've been talking about here. Once we've done the work to establish the relationships first, it makes things easier moving forward, much easier.
3: Nice. I see Bobby Joe Woods saying they uh, joined forces with another freedom group that is not a freedom sales group, and they hosted Derek Bros. I saw pictures of the Derek Bros. is doing the activation tour. Uh, you can go to ActivationTour.org. He still has several stops to go. Definitely do it he, He's
0: coming to my hood this weekend. Oh no awesome. shit! Yeah, so I'm doing this event Saturday, and some people. So he and he's doing an event Sunday. We're in Camden, Tennessee, Saturday. He's in Franklin on Sunday, and we've got a number of people doing just the whole thing. Like Mentality. go there, camp, and then hit Franklin and hang out. It's going to be awesome
1: anybody who has the opportunity to make it out to the activation tour definitely should. And that's a perfect example. I, I shared some stuff on social media about the activation tour. Somebody who didn't know anything about it. Somebody who didn't know anything about free himself, somebody who is completely unaware about most of the stuff that we talk about on a daily basis, saw that shared the same concerns. Didn't say anything to me about it, but I ran into him up there, a local farmer. Hey, nice to see you here. What's going on? People want to know stuff, but they don't know how to get the information. But the more that we go about trying to build community outside of this community, the more successful I think we're going to be.
3: Hell yeah. That's what it's all about.
0: Cool. That's awesome. Hell yeah. So,
2: hell yeah. We've been talking (laughs) about homesteading. We've been talking about overcoming hurdles. We've been talking about fun mistakes that have cost us and made us learn. And we're talking about activations around the country. Episode 59 of Unloose the Goose. I think it should be time that we do like a snooker the goose. Everybody gets to ask somebody else a question. Um, and, and then we'll, and we'll close it out. Does that feel good for everybody?
0: Sounds sure. good to me.
2: Since you are our guest uh, today's episode, you get to choose one of us to ask a question for. And uh,
0: see if you can
1: snicker us, snicker oh, the cruise. Yeah, <laughs> I've got to come up with a question on the spot. Yeah, um, you can do it. Let, let's see. Uh, oh my goodness, Needy, what are the what? What do the wings represent on your wall in the back? Um. Ooh. The other two I can kind of put my finger on, but the wings got my. Those...
4: <laughs> we we lost a child in two thousand five, and those are her my angel's wings.
1: Beautiful, yeah. I, real quick i i, I don't I, I don't mean to interrupt the snooker the goose, but I, I appreciate that because I am one of the volunteer group that. I work with we manage the baby cemetery uh, at a local cemetery, and I was just out there last week looking kind of looking over the spot to plant um, a tree for uh, to plant a new tree and and uh, i didn't i didn't I hope that didn't stir up anything, but I was curious. that's my question. I appreciate your answer.:
4: No, you're Thank fine you. I, it's been It's been twelve years. I wrote a book about it I, I talk about it openly now, so it's okay.
0: No. Wow, that's okay. some serious volunteer well, work that you do, Rob. Get you a
2: question.
4: I get to ask a question. Um. Hmm. What do I want to know? What do I want to know? Hmm. John, are, is there still room for the event that you're? You're doing on the land thing and
3: i'm glad you asked
4: <laughs> and <laughs> the, and i don't understand i would like some clarification um on is it a saturday and a sunday thing and also i think saturday is the free thing or something and something's a paid thing and i don't really understand
3: well since you asked I'll never miss an opportunity for a shameless plug. Uh, we're doing a free summit. Saturday is absolutely free. It's called the Exit and Build Land Summit. And we're going to be talking about exactly what we talked about today, providing a lot of tips and strategies. Jack Spierko will be speaking on Saturday. Nicole Sauce. Uh We have Cynthia Tina. She's with the Foundation for Intentional Community. Derek Rose will be presenting. And the whole idea is to help people uh, to learn how to exit the cities and build resilient communities, whether it's an intentional community where they own the same property together, or it's like in the holler where there's, everyone has their own home, but they all do community together and support one another. So the activities on Saturday are 100% free. However, it is strongly encouraged that you take advantage of our immersion integration package because you'll be able to participate in the Sunday activities which include a a one-and-a-half-hour workshop from Joel Salatin. Uh, Also, if you're looking for folks to build community with in your area or somewhere else or based around certain values, we're doing intentional community speed dating where we're going to link everyone up with folks that want to go to a certain area or perhaps they want to build around family or maybe they're vegan or whatever. We're going to help people to link up and find one another. So I think that's going to be extremely valuable. The Sunday activities are paid. But you do get a digital download of all the Saturday and Sunday stuff that's taking place. Um, and we're not going to have everything available openly on the Internet. So definitely want to take advantage of that. And people can go to exitandbuildlandsummit.com, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. And then to answer your first question, the in-person stuff is completely sold out. Next time we do it, we'll have to get a bigger venue because we've got a bunch of people on a waiting list and stuff. So. Uh, I think a lot of people really get a lot of value out of this. And if it's something that you're interested in doing or just kind of on the fence or you don't really know where to start, then it's definitely a great opportunity for you to learn what needs to happen in order to make this vision a reality.
4: And how much is the online thing? Is the online Sunday thing is online.
3: Yeah, it's virtual. So it's ninety seven dollars for the immersion integration package. Ninety seven dollars.
1: And for that you get you get the downloads of everything.
3: That's right, Rob. it's an ex- Wait. We could have charged 997 dollars but for you unloose the goose listeners, you're only getting it for $97. It's everything you need to take your life to the next level.
4: Plus that Joel Soliton thing. I'm telling you what that you are gonna want paper.
3: That's worth it alone. Uh, and, and yeah. oh also if you do the $97 on Saturday so everyone's gonna watch through like a stream on our website. But if you pay for the $97 on Saturday and Sunday, you'll be watching through a Zoom room and you'll have the opportunity to ask questions of all the speakers, including Joel South. Very nice.
4: Hell yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention,
3: you get two free reports. One on strategic relocation, specifically uh, my analysis on the best places to move uh, to have a homestead. Most of them are in the U.S., although there's some outside of the U.S. And then you'll also get a free report. Well, it's not free. You'll get a report on... Uh, dwellings and housing that are good for your homestead, depending on the area that you're in. We threw those little bonuses in as well as part of the $97 package. That's,
4: That's awesome.
2: dope. Hell that yeah. Is very yeah. Dope. It Really That's is.
4: Exciting, John. Well, because I wanted to share it with my yeah. membership and I couldn't speak on it because I didn't understand all of it. And it was, you probably wrote a whole bunch of stuff somewhere and I'm just not looking at it properly. Well,
3: before you <laughs> share it, you better set yourself up with an affiliate link. Yep.
4: Get your commission, <laughs> oh. baby
3: that's right <laughs> oh,
0: no, so uh, no, I get <laughs> john
2: john your turn
3: okay uh, la, 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 la. all right hawk i'm sure you're aware that bitcoin reached all-time highs today as did ethereum and probably several other cryptocurrencies uh, realistically, before a big correction, which is inevitable, what goes up must come down. How high do you think Bitcoin will reach oh. in this run? Oh. Realistically, no craziness. But what do you think? Like, what would you bet on?
2: No, that's that's really good. So I, I know that, you know, uh, we've all seen the fact that gold really started taking off on a tear once uh, an ETF was created for it. Right. Um, and we just had a Bitcoin ETF created, and, and functioning out in the ecosystem now. Um, so I'm actually really bullish. I think uh, I think we're going to see some really we're going to just keep seeing all time highs for the rest of the year here. Traditionally, like in the late fall, early Christmas, th- things pull back. So what we're at sixty two right now. Let me look real quick.
0: Sixty seven.
2: Oh my God! It's gone even up further. And Ethereum's way up past four thousand. So yeah, it's at sixty-six thousand. Um, wow! I could see it getting back it getting into the seventies, you know, seventy-five maybe. Yep, yep. I think it'll it'll test seventy probably today or tomorrow. Um, and if it does break through seventy, we'll we'll see it continue to ride.
0: All right, all right, all but right.
2: In real, all realistically, I th- I think a hundred thousand is realistic on Bitcoin. So, that's that one. Thank you very much for that. Before the end of the year. Uh, well, Nicole. You know, the last one. I don't know about before the end of the year, really. Uh, before the end of the world. How about that? Um, <laughs> like civilization.
3: Well, uh, one thing real quick before <laughs> you ask, me, oh, applications. Bitcoin's market cap is $1.24 It's literally about to pass silver's market cap, which is $1.37 And I should say, if you count the entire cryptocurrency market cap overall, like all the cryptocurrencies together... It's over $2.4 trillion, and it's just past Apple to be the second most valuable commodity or asset in the entire world, cryptocurrencies as a whole, just behind gold.
2: Wow. There you go. Well, as a market cap, yeah, market as a market cap, cap yeah. Um, because, yeah, the single most valuable asset in the world right now is Bitcoin,
4: which With is pretty,
2: pretty crazy. And it's crazy to me that people still say uh, that that it's worthless
3: right (laughs) so not backed by anything what
2: is your favorite yeah exactly except everybody on the planet who wants it uh nicole what is your favorite cryptocurrency to, to receive for payment for coffee
0: oh payment for coffee that's a tough one because pretty much any cryptocurrency i get i i transfer it into the cryptocurrency i want
3: which is which is
0: well, there's a combination. I like to hold Bitcoin, of course. And I like to hold Ethereum, but I'm kind of partial to R, of all <laughs> things. I oh, know. People, yes, R- yes, yes. R. <laughs> R-, love R. Yes. But really, anybody who's eager to use cryptocurrency of any kind to pay for workshops, to pay for coffee, to pay for anything, I'm all there because even <laughs> if it's something I haven't learned about, it just makes me learn about it. And if it's if it's something I've never heard of and I don't want to keep it like it's a shit coin that I don't want to mess with, I'll just transfer it immediately into one of the places where I would hodl that. But but I think what's more important about that is empowering people to learn how easy it is to transact in cryptocurrency for simple things. Bitcoin, honestly, isn't the best way to buy my coffee because. Of the scale of low, what you yeah. pay in transaction fees, so Bitcoin Cash or whatever. But you can buy coffee with cryptocurrency and I will send it to you. And it happens like that. Okay, and that's so, badass. Like I just I just had yeah. to chase somebody around for days over a like a check. It took three weeks because the check was written wrong and all of these things. And uh-huh. and that's like in, in contrast to I just swipe the phone and it's done. Bam.
2: It, what about for going from crypto to fiat? What's your favorite uh, system? Is it Coinbase? Is it old? Like, what do you use?
0: I use Coinbase when I do that. I never do that anymore. I've stopped doing that.
2: Yeah. 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 What about just? I don't
0: even need to because the whole point is, with cryptocurrency for me is to establish to an ecosystem in my life, an economic system where I'm using it and taking it. And so mm. I used to yeah, take yeah. it out through Coinbase, but I'm like an old lady. So that's why I do that. But I don't, I don't know what I'd use now because I just haven't had to. Yeah. There's what a question, John, you, like you guys. I, I haven't tried Uphold. I, w- I actually am working with John because I want to borrow from my cryptocurrency at some DeFi. point. Yeah, yeah. I want to do the DeFi thing because I think that's where it's going rather than sell that's it, borrow against it and pay it back.
3: Yep, I used DeFi recently for the down payment on our new uh, Tesla Model 3 performance, which when I bring that up now, I get so much hate from my audience. They're like, oh my God, you bought a Tesla. I can't take you seriously. It's the Illuminati car. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going zero to mm. 60 in 2.9 seconds and having the time of my life and the kids are loving it. So <laughs> anyway. Um, I, I mainly just hodl. That's, I, uh, I think I did my time and I paid my dues uh, in 2013, 2014, 2015, spending crypto with everyone and setting them up with a wallet. So I'm trying to hodl it as much as possible. But whenever I do actually, uh, when I do my DeFi stuff, for example, I use crypto, crypto.com. Yeah. And then when people pay, if they're willing to pay the transaction fee. Last time I checked, it was like three dollars. Now that crypto is going gangbusters, maybe it's more. But three dollars for Bitcoin seems, you know, reasonable. Um, but Bitcoin cash is most definitely, in my opinion, the best cryptocurrency to use for commerce, in my opinion. And then pirate chain it's just such like a cool like. Anytime you mention pirate chain, everyone's like Arr. R in the comments and everyone gets all excited. So I, I like that <laughs> in large. I mean, it's a privacy coin, which is very beneficial, but I'm just, I, I like all the community excitement and stuff behind it. That, that's something that's fun. Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, well, thank you, everybody. This... Uh-oh. Very that's in episode 59. Episode, of of... episode 59. Rob Kaiser was our guest. Yep.
0: Cool.
4: <laughs> He's Hawk close down oh, this down, Hawk
3: Look how serious he looks
4: <laughs> It's like Black Hawk thank, Down okay, Thank
2: you guys so much <laughs> Episode 59 Rob Kreiser was our guest today And uh, this is episode 59 Homesteading on the goose
1: Unloose the goose We'll take no views Your paradise.
0: Got no use. Unloose the goose.